Hello, my name is Michael Coleman, and I'm so excited to talk with some of the creative team behind Obi-Wan, the latest series on Disney+. Plus. I'm so excited to have executive producer Michelle Rejwan. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you. And we have executive producer and director Deborah Chow. Welcome, Deborah. Thank you. Nice to meet you. Let's go back and leading up to that point of announcing the series. Michelle, when did you first hear any mention of this show? What, what was the, uh, the conversations? And, and then when did you guys say Deborah needs to be the one to uh, you know, carry the baton? The thing is that these, these, all these Star Wars stories, what's so special about them is how generational they are. So, you know, I think there was enormous affection for Ewan playing Obi-Wan in the prequels. But, you know, that story had concluded and obviously years go by. And there was always, I think, from, you know, Star Wars fans, a desire to see that character again, a feeling that there is much more story to tell. And then as the as the years went on, I think it was what seven, it's been 17 years between Friends of the Sith and and our show. You know, you, you know, it came to our attention to people at Lucasfilm that Ewan had interest in playing the character again, which was absolute music to everyone's ears because it was just the right time where the kids that grew up with those movies, you know, had grown up and, you know, to them, these, these are their rock stars, you know, in Star Wars and certainly Ewan and Hayden Christensen. So when we realized, and at the time we were making other films, but, you know, when Lucasfilm realized that Ewan had interest in playing the character again, everyone just started to get to work as to what what this story could be. And, you know, the development process obviously takes some time, but really what it felt like the heart of the story was, was this chapter that felt like it was missing between Revenge of the Sith and New Hope and that arc for the character in that time. And the moment that I remember, you know, kind of officially, in fact, sitting with Deborah was in Anaheim at D23, when Kathleen Kennedy and Ewan walked out on stage. And after so many years of rumors that he might return as the character, he finally announced there, you know, with Kathy kind of saying, Ewan, do you want to play Obi-Wan again? Will you do it? And he said, yes, you know, and the entire audience, it just felt so seismic, the enthusiasm and excitement around it. And by that point, Deborah had come on as our director and executive producer. And I'll pass it to her, but you know, she and Ewan really started to talk very early on about what the real heart of this story and journey for the character was going to be. Deborah, what do you remember when they say, would you like to take the responsibility of telling this story, this <laughs> beloved character? What went through your mind? What were your thoughts of, what were you excited about? What did you perceive as some of the creative challenges? Um, well, I had just finished Mandalorian, so I was just a few months out from Mandalorian, and that that had been actually a, a quite a long journey, but a pretty amazing journey. Um, and then this project sort of came up because um, the previous director had to step away, unfortunately. Um, so it was it was both like incredibly exciting, the idea to have these incredible iconic characters, and it was daunting. You know, there's a huge responsibility that comes with these characters and with you know telling this story. Um, so it was definitely a bit of both when I first came onto it. Yeah, there's something that's really special about this type of, um, you know, miniseries or we have six episodes to tell a story. It's a lot of time to develop character, explore new spaces. What, what in your mind did it allow you to do that you wouldn't have otherwise and, you know, maybe in a feature length or what, what did you perceive you were going to be able to maybe do within, you know, the six episodes? Um, I think the limited series was it, it felt very right for this series because it allowed us to have more time for character, essentially. Um, and I think that's the great benefit of a lot of the television stuff and also having sort of the bigger canvas. 
Um, and I think especially with this story, because there's so much history, there's so much backstory coming out of the prequels that, you know, just to sort of explore that and the number of characters that, you know, have such a legacy to them, um, that it was really, really helpful just having more time to explore it. And, and Michelle, for you, when when you did, you know, had that conversation, you knew you were going to greenlight this project. What what was just the overall um, kind of looking back and, and the legacy of, of this character and also looking forward because, you know, there's so much technology that you guys have put into this show from the volume capture to just where CG is today. It's a different world when it comes to storytelling. So what is you what were you excited about in terms of what the world was going to look like for Obi-Wan? You know, the thing that we started to talk about really early on along with Deb was, you know, this really needed to be cinematic, even though we obviously were doing it for Disney Plus and streaming as a six part series. You know, these characters were born in iconic, major scope cinematic worlds. And, you know, that that's where they belong, you know, on that grand operatic scale. So in, you know, we, we did, of course, use the volume technology stagecraft and also built, you know, practical sets. We had some location work as well. So Endeavor coming off of Mandalorian really not only knew the volume, but if you don't mind my saying, Deb, like was so, it was so exciting because she was so ambitious with how she wanted to push it into new territory. So that was also the opportunity here was to take this technology that you know, she had learned and we have all, of course, been learning on The Mandalorian and what John Favreau and Dave Filoni had done and really give it its own vibe, its own its own identity in this series that felt really at home with these characters. But it was always it was always very exciting, you know, number one to, you know, bring these two characters back together, Obi-Wan Kenobi and, of course, Anakin Skywalker, Darth Vader, um, with Hayden Christensen's return to the show. And that story started to reveal itself as the real heart of the journey, this, this key relationship at the center. So when we had the, the, the canvas of a six-part story to tell it across, it really started to feel so right because Star Wars has always been about the intimate and the epic. And we really had the opportunity to do justice to both across six parts of the story. That's great. Deborah, what, what is it like for someone being on... on on the other side of the camera to step foot on the set of Tatooine when you're surrounded by detail, by characters, things that are familiar, things that we've never seen as fans. What can you tell just about being in, in your position of, you know, trying to capture this familiar place that, but for fans, we're like looking out like in the background and there's details that we've never seen before. What is it like for, as a director to be a part of that? Um, you know, it's pretty amazing. And I had obviously spent a year on Mandalorian, so I, it wasn't my first Star Wars set, but coming into you know, such iconic sets when you're rebuilding the Lars farm and, you know, you're looking at every single detail. We're going back to exactly what they did and trying to match it as closely as, as we can. But at the same time, you know, we were 10 years between, you know, there's 10 years on either side. So it was, it was finding the balance of like, it can't be identical. You know what I mean? This is a different point in these characters' lives. Um, but I do think, I mean, for me, I, I do remember like the first time for real when Vader came on to set and I had that moment where you're just like, oh my God, like it's, it's, it's Darth <laughs> Vader. And you just have, I definitely had a moment where you're like, how on earth did I end up directing Darth Vader? And it, you know, and he's like towering, he's like two feet taller than me. Um, so it was, it's pretty exciting. 
The casting process, I imagine, for this is, is so unique because you have an opportunity to introduce new characters. I, I love what was done with, you know, the, um, you know, I, I look at the, I mean, so there's some like pretty fun characters. You have Kamal, Kamal you have Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers, some like pretty amazing like uh, guest stars. But then you also have the opportunity of, you know, like the Grand Inquisitor and, and some really f- just really interesting characters. Can you talk about casting and developing these characters for, um, you know, fans that might know them? I think that was like one of the things we were really trying to do from the outset was because we had so many legacy characters um, that we felt like it was important also to have some new characters, you know, because I think one of the biggest challenges is was we do have these iconic characters where everybody knows what happened before and after to them. So we we really felt strongly like we needed to have some new characters to mix up with them. Um, you know, but in terms of the casting, I think like just having you and honestly at the center of it to anchor of it was just the biggest gift, you know, honestly, as a director, you know, he was more than just an actor. He was a creative partner in the show. Um, and he just brings such a humanity and emotion and weight to it. So, you know, we were incredibly fortunate to get this amazing cast around him, but, you know, he's really the center of everything. That's great. Um, Michelle, talking about the character of Riva, she's uh, just uh, a bold unexpected villain that just takes center stage. What, what, what can you say just about introducing um, new, new villains into the series and also the just development of how the storyline, just talking about the development of you know, introducing a pivotal character like Reva and how that played into just the overall series? Reva was a character from day one. We were all just really excited about the opportunity for. As Deb said, you know, the we even though we had the most iconic villain uh, in, in at least to us, right, in our cinematic history of Darth Vader coming back to the series, you know, we we did have the challenge of knowing a little bit more or a lot more about where where that story ultimately arcs in the later in the in the original trilogy. So to have Riva as part of the Grand Inquisitor team that you know we had that had been established in the canon but had never debuted in live action or have a character that really had in live action you know a new a new one that was sort of we didn't know exactly where she was going to end up so it was very it was exciting I think from our perspective to number one be able to spend more time with the Grand Inquisitors introduce them in live action but then also introduce this character that as she starts to progress across the story, you realize has a very personal connection to this universe and to, to Darth Vader that we don't learn about until later, but it becomes incredibly personal for her. And, you know, much like, you know, the thing about both, I think in every aspect, the casting, the technology, the story sort of canvas here, we were really tied a lot to the prequel trilogy. And there was just so much incredible canon and and story you know fabric that george created with that trilogy that we were able to pull into this and so starting to think about the experience of someone who might have survived order 66 and what that does to you you know um and her finding her way into this inquisitor team and in some way working for darth vader who she knows you know not everyone knows but she knows is the is the person responsible for that for that pain for that for that unforgettable scene, you know, that we all remember, it started to just feel incredibly juicy. And also speaking to uh, Obi-Wan's character who has enormous, you know, lives with this enormous regret, um, also recognizing he did what he needed to do 
but lost um, really a brother and best friend uh, in Anakin when he when he fell to the dark side, but then all the devastation he caused and feeling somewhat responsible for that. So here he's coming head to head with a character who's saying, yeah, you know, in, in our fifth episode saying, where were you? You know, you were supposed to protect us. And I think Moses Ingram just delivers an incredible performance there. I remember it just being just getting chills because, you know, just hit with that, with that responsibility and wish that of course the Jedi and Obi-Wan in particular could have been there to prevent that, you know, sort of what's sort of underneath all of this emotionally for him um, and needing to face. So yes, Reva, she was just always an incredibly rich character. And then Deborah working with her, I think just delivered a, a really, a really magnetic, a really unexpected, a really sort of surprising performance because you know she's so unpredictable and that's kind of what started to make her really fun um in in scene to scene but you know Deb, I don't know if you want to speak a little bit more about Reba um yeah I think in in large part like as we continued with the development it sort of became for me at least thematically clear that so much of what the show was about was about trauma and it was about dealing with the weight and the responsibility and the choices that were made um in Revenge of the Sith in the prequels. And, you know, Order 66, if there was a pivotal event for our story, it was Order 66. And almost every character or major character for us was grappling with that, you know, even to Leia and, you know, what happened to the twins. Um, so, so much of it, of, of our story was about dealing with what happened after Order 66, um, that it became a really interesting starting point emotionally because it was so character driven. It was about people that were dealing with something and dealing with choices that Anakin made um, and what happened to the, you know, the Jedi Council and to so much of everything that happened in the galaxy. Um, so it was a big story to tell, you know, in a very sort of intimate way for all these characters. Something that I want to bring up in terms of, um, you know, just a pivotal character would be, you know, Vivian Lyra uh, Blair plays, you know, you know, Princess Lele Organa. What is it like to work with a child actress that carries so much responsibility in terms of within your show? And she, and she did a phenomenal perf uh, performance. She's just like, she steals every scene. What was it like to work with her? And um, yeah, how did you want to represent this young version of Lele Organa? That was definitely an undertaking. And I think Michelle and I probably saw every single kid <laughs> between the ages of eight and 12 in the universe. Yes, and watch um, them know, grow over here. And watch them grow as we, you know, we kept trying to get to production. But, um, you know, casting, I mean, trying to cast a young version of not only one of the most iconic female characters ever, um, and then in addition, played by Carrie Fisher, one of the most iconic women ever, um, is no small task, you know. So it it was really challenging. And you know, with kids, like so much of what you're trying to find is just sort of the innate character and find it in them, you know, because they're, you know, oftentimes they, you know, they're not quite there to be able to put it on fully like that. Um, so I think the thing that we were really looking for is we were trying to find the balance of, you know, having the wit and having the intelligence and the humor of Carrie, um, but not losing sight that she is a kid and that she's a person, you know, we didn't want her to get too uber precocious and, have it, you know, just be sort of smart alecky all the time. Um, so I think, you know, we were we were really lucky to find Vivian. Honestly, she she just kind of had it in herself, um, and you know, and that is no small order to be that young and to walk onto a set like that with such huge actors around you and knowing that you're trying to fulfill and step into those shoes. 
Um, you know, I don't think I could have done that at that age. Uh, and I think she just did a, an incredible job, honestly. That's great. Uh, Michelle, can you help um, describe, uh, we, we talked about, obviously, we've, we've seen The Mandalorian, we've seen Boba Fett, we, we, you know, we've seen Obi-Wan, and, and, and there's so much um, storytelling technique that's being put in, both, uh, I think, behind the camera, in front of the camera, when it comes to the sound and the visuals that ILM and Skywalker Sound are, are producing. What, can you describe the process of having big picture and understanding that you're trying to deliver something that has quality of feature film, but then also like a lot of material and so many planets and, and new visuals that the audience has never seen? Can you maybe just share a little insight to just the scope and scale of everyone that the, the team that's really involved to support this type of storytelling? No, it's absolutely true. And, you know, it's such a giant collaboration, not only to, you know, do something of this scale, but with this enormous expectation, make it feel at home in the universe that you know, but also the desire to push into new worlds and and planets and meet new characters and creatures and 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 frankly, just kind of feel feel as though you're not really thinking about it. You're just really immersed in it so that it's your brain's not turning on, but you really believe the world you're in effortlessly the way that George sets such an enormously high bar for. But, you know, it's it's about number one, obviously, um, your director um, who is at the front of it all. And this is where Deborah and I'll pass it on to her, you know, in terms of assembling our team, it was so critical, you know, to, to be able to find the, the core collaborators to create this world. Yeah, and I, it's so interesting also as a director and, you know, having, you know, gone through Mandalorian and, you know, that was the first season and it was so nascent at that point, that technology, um, and getting to train under sort of John and Dave with everything. Um, I, I just always feel like it's so it's so fitting, though, because, you know, this is also part of George's legacy. Um, you know, George, George has always been at the forefront of technology and when he did the prequels, he was at the forefront of technology and he was pushing. So it feels like it's sort of in the DNA, honestly, to me, of Star Wars with the technology and pushing that envelope all the time. Um, you know, and it can be challenging and, you know, you don't always know if it's it's going to work and some things are more successful than others. Um, but it has been part of his legacy and so many of the technological tools and like to the point of even just ILM and Sky Sound existing are from George. Um, you know, we are using previs tools that are from him. We're using, you know, post tools all over the place. So it's not just the storytelling and the characters that we're inheriting from, you know, the Star Wars universe. We're also inheriting George's legacy of technology and innovation. Yeah, I imagine once you, after the Mandalorian, you get a, a kind of a sense of the world that you have to work within. Um, something I do want to talk about, I had the fantastic chance to talk with Natalie Holt, your composer for this series, just a phenomenal person and composer. What does she bring to the table? Uh, I'm at, this is a big responsibility. You, you're coming off of someone like John Williams, who has themes and notable you know, cues that fans love. But then you want to introduce you know, the unique voice of someone like Natalie. What was it like to work with her? Um, she was wonderful. And, you know, that, again, uh, no no small shoes to step into. Uh, you know, and obviously, you know, once we knew that John Williams was doing the theme, you know, those two had to, they had had to work together. So, you know, her task, which was not an easy one, was, you know, creating a score that could work with the John Williams, you know, the voice and the sensibility that he's, that is obviously so iconic as well for Star Wars, and particularly with so many of these characters, but to also so sort of make it her own and have sort of a voice for the show that didn't just feel like we were copying something. Um, so I think, you know, 
we definitely went through a long process with it and, you know, and she had to work quite quickly, but, um, you know, just being able to sort of creatively step into that world and take that on. I think she did a, an amazing, amazing job. That's great. Michelle, you know, when you think about how this plays into the big, I'd say a big picture of the Star Wars universe, there's a reason why you guys wanted to tell the story. There's a reason why, you know, you guys could say this is worthwhile spending time with, with Obi-Wan. Obviously, you and I'm sure had to maybe think a few seconds, do I want to, re- you know, revisit this role? But for, for you, what, what do you appreciate just about this series? What does it offer your fans and audiences that maybe otherwise you wouldn't have been able to tell without using Obi-Wan as a central center uh, piece of it all? No, that, that's a great question. And we really, all of us that were part of this really felt enormous responsibility to really make sure that we felt we had a a real emotional reason to tell this story as tempting as it always is to revisit your favorite characters in Star Wars. We wanted to really make sure there was a, a journey here, a story here worth telling that transcended that. And for, I think for me personally, and you know, Deb can answer this as well, you know, the return of Ewan as Obi-Wan Kenobi was such, it was really the heart of the whole, of the whole thing, the real reason to do it. And also once we, found the moment in time for him that you know he had he had a real journey to go on once he discovered that Anakin in fact had not died you know that he had he had become Darth Vader and Darth Vader still lived was some was a new surprising shocking revelation to him and in his duty to both protect these kids but also the galaxy at large, it just became undeniable that this journey existed and the inevitable collision of these two characters was an event. And we all wanted to be part of that. Deborah, I think, you know, when you say you, you could never imagine yourself directing Darth Vader or, or maybe even a Star Wars that, well, now that you've done it, there's so much just uh, maybe muscle memory or things that you you don't realize you've you know the experience that you've gained from it. How would you even summarize just being you know I mean six episodes in of itself. I, when I saw that you directed all six, that in of itself is an achievement because it's it's no small task. What what to you is your takeaway from from not only Mandalorian but now Obi Wan? What what have you learned from it? The process. Um, yeah, it's I mean those characters honestly it's really interesting because you know you've got to convey so much just physically and it's such a different way to perform and act. So anyway, learn that. But I, I don't know. There's so many things honestly between the technology, the universe, the storytelling. You know, but I think at the end of the day, it does all come back to the same thing, and it comes back to the story. It comes back to the character, and at the heart of it, it it is Ewan. And it is Obi-Wan's journey. And for us, I think, you know, particularly as we went through all the development process, you know, everything in the show for us was always geared at his his emotional arc and sort of his character arc. And so everything that's part of it is supporting that. So, you know, there's a, a million bells and whistles and whatnot, but it always ends up coming back to that. Yeah. Michelle, um, when you think about looking ahead and, and you guys say this is a you know, miniseries, only six episodes. But what, what what keeps people from or within the creative team saying, well, we've kind of opened this can of worms of, of introducing Obi Wan. Why not why not keep him in 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 uh, play? What what like where do you guys? How can you guys walk away from it and not not feel like oh my gosh that was so much fun it was such a success? Why not continue this? Like how can you be so patient with that? 
You're going to get us kicked out of the limited series. I know. <laughs> yeah, you can't answer say. this. We got to stay in that category. This was, uh, <laughs> no, it was always, it really was always conceived to stand alone as, as the six part story. And, you know, that it, it felt really like the journey as Deborah described for Obi-Wan, what really felt complete. And so it, it was certainly designed that way. Of course, your mind always wanders to the possibilities and, you know, nothing would be more joyful than working with you. And again, seeing the character return, but as, as you know, we began this process, it's always about why it's always about the story. It's all, it's always about really letting it reveal itself to be something worthy, but, you know, truthfully, it was always designed as, as a limited event and we felt it was worthy of one. And, you know, we're, I think, all very satisfied with where we where we left the character and feel like it was a real journey worth going on with him emotionally. And, you know, the other brilliant thing about Star Wars and the way George designed it is there's always, of course, a hunger to know more, to speculate more, to dream about what the possibilities of story that you may not see, you know, on, on screen are. But that's also what makes the world feel so limitless and um, exciting and, you know, always sort of like endlessly imaginative. So I think we also really like that it, it felt complete um, and that, yeah, so as tempting as it is, uh, it was it was meant it was designed to be a limited story. And it was it was at the end of uh, the, of the second season of and or the, after the first season of Andor, right? I said, "Are you kidding me? Like we're gonna go in that direction?" That's what I felt about this season. Like, I know what happens next. We know where this leads, and so it's just like the connective tissue between these series is so much fun as fans. Uh, you know, I, I just find that it's it's a wonderful um, format in terms of being episodic, longer form to tell these stories to have the time. Um, you know, I think what this team had done, Deborah, what you've accomplished in the series to me is just. It's so exciting um, to be at this place within, you know, storytelling and technique and just um, having opportunities to uh, spend time with some of our favorite characters. So, yeah, thank you both so much for your time. It's such a pleasure. Deborah, Michelle, go check out Obi-Wan on Disney+. Plus. It's I've watched it three times. It never gets old. There's so many small details you can pick up. Yeah, congratulations to both of you. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you.